All right. And we'll get started. We are back. With I'm less what? pissed today. You were pissed? I'm less pissed. Oh. <laughs> that was like two podcasts ago. I'm pretty sure it was our last one. We started watching, uh, or we started listening to a new podcast. That's really good. Wine for Normal People. Mm-hmm. And that one's really enjoyable. Yeah. What was interesting was that they, they did a Patreon, uh, and they took their Patreon members to Italy for like a wine journey. A wine tasting. A wine tasting. Extravaganza. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, holy, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty neat. It's crazy, like, what what can happen when you, like, build a community. Yeah, and I think it, it's really nice that they were able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, fun. it's, like, fun. I mean, like, I can't imagine being able to build something up in that way and then, you know. Getting to essentially, like, gift, give back to them. Yeah. 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 I think that's really cool. Yeah. So. Speaking of community. Yeah. Yeah. Which, what specifically about <laughs> my community? <laughs> the tribe, it's growing. Yeah, it's That's been exciting. three months. And, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think I'm a psychopath when it comes to competing. Well, I know you like compete with yourself. You have like a goal in mind. What was it? Like 900? Yeah. 900 subs. I, I was really close. I wanted to get to it. By the end of the month, and I'm about to clear it. Yeah. And the end of the month is Thursday. So right, <laughs> and I'm I'm very very close. I just need like a li- I need a small boost. So yeah. I'm almost there. I just I lost like six on Monday. After, in my opinion, I I perfectly called the markets over the last three weeks. Yeah. And um, so. I don't know. I was <laughs> – I didn't know if I was going to do it on Friday. I was like looking at it. I was like it's it's so fucking close. I really wanted to I, – I think I can do it. And um, and then, you know, it, it had been building. And then on Monday to just have like a small drop. It, it's like – I don't know. I was, being, I, I was being very open to you before the podcast where I was like – I was like, man, I, I don't get it why – you know, yeah. And first off, I think everyone who who has like you know whatever whatever following they've built, you know, I'm sure they deserve it. So right. I'm not saying anything like that. But for me, I always feel like I've had to grind in order to be popular. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to really crack some skulls to make people like me. Um, yeah. And uh, so for me, it's like it's like why can I not just compete harder it's like the harder i try you know yeah and it's like so counterintuitive to uh i think what i'm about in a way i mean i know we've touched on it before i think you know you've just got to stay true to who you are and what you do like i know of course you want to reach your goals and things like that but at the end of the day you're you're essentially you know just wanting to teach people Right. About stock. And that's what you're doing. And like um, looking over the chat and things, whenever you have a new sub come in in the chat, I feel like you always make that effort to 
welcome them and like introduce yourself versus like someone that might have a bigger following they just overlook the new subscribers so i think that like continuing to like make it like in a personable experience that's going to get you further yeah. along because who's to say someone has a thousand subscribers but then they don't take the effort like you do and then in two months three months they've lost 300 subs right? right so it's like i get it i get it it drives you fucking nuts but i mean it's you've had it for three months and you've you've got as many as you doubt you do now so uh, it's just who i've always been i know and i'm trust sure, me i know <laughs> i'm married to you yeah and i i think um I'm sure people are tired of hearing me whine every podcast. <laughs> it's always something different I'm whining about. You're just grumpy. I'm just I'm very ornery. A lot of things ache in my body. No one ever tells you about back pain until it actually fucking starts and then you know. No going back. Yeah. There's no going back. And it sucks. Mostly the back pain sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to change the subject because you're getting all sad on me. Yeah. Yeah. You have some subjects for us tonight? Um, Some subjects or some questions? Oh, questions. Okay. <laughs> subjects. Um, well, I know you mentioned that you, you called coin earlier, so that was huge. Yeah, that was uh, – I think, like, um, no matter how long you've traded for – it, there's always still that like if you if it's like really a real passion for mm -hmm. you it's it's always there's like that childish excitement when it when it works when it works like that yeah so to like i i was kind of just watching it out of the corner of my eye i didn't even i, I had it on my list of things well so you said it happened fast it happened very fast like in a blink of an eye the way i saw tesla jump and then and then i could start to feel it across other stocks mm -hmm. and then i like I looked back over my my top watch list I had for the week, yeah. And Coin was was on there. I just I didn't have a setup yesterday that I liked, and I was still watching it to see if if you know maybe Bitcoin pops. And uh, what what followed was um, basically good news for the Bitcoin ETFs that that they're pretty much green lighted to start being approved by the SEC. And so, uh. I saw it kind of jumping around 78, 79, and then I, I quickly typed it into the chat, got in at 18 cents, which is a fucking miracle because literally seconds later, then it's $1.50 and then $3. And, Jeez. Um, you know, it's just, it's one of those moments where you have to, you have to act incredibly fast and that don't even like, you know, think about it. And don't know even what, breathe. Know, just... know what's on your watch list and, and know where the, where the stock's at and, I mean, it was it was the situational of I just saw Tesla pop, mm -hmm. and I saw Apple pop. Right. That means that another big that I need to quickly start scanning the major tech and see which one hasn't popped. Saw Coin hadn't popped, and was like, like uh, "Yeah, of course." Like that. Like why not? Why not just try it? Try it. And yeah. Then, and then it ran, and it it was kind of doing the the like I have to pee dance almost. <laughs> You know, 
you know when a toddler's kind of like jump, <laughs> I have to pee dance jumping between leg to leg a little bit <laughs> in price action where it was going from, yeah it's going quickly from 79 to 80 to 79 to 80 like 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 I gotta go you know and then and then it jumps <laughs> <laughs> and then it pees oh my god and then it pees yeah and uh so it was uh it was a quick it was a quick one but you know i'm not going to snub my nose at a 2000% gain so it's a that's a real rarity to find yeah. i think i think if you're lucky you're you're pulling down about a 30% gain on on most of your options and what you average across your portfolio yeah i think is is like if you're doing 30% you're you're excellent you know that's a plus mm-hmm. and um I mean, that's all I really strive for. So I, I think, you know, there's to have a 2000% day means like you're done for the day and really should be done for the week. Right. I, I wanted to, to chime in after looking at your daily today. I like that you, you know, took the initiative to, to like, I guess, teach your, your subscribers like, Hey, when something like this happens, cool it. Like, don't, don't get greedy. Don't keep trying to play into it because nine times out of 10, you're probably going to come up disappointed. Like just take the win for the win and try again later. Yeah. I after think, it calms down a little bit. And I think that's something that I've, I've really wanted to teach across the board is that um, it's more about market, like keeping uh, capital retention. I think that, if you're if you want to separate yourself and and become like a professional trader it's really about you know how much money can you keep and not give back to the market yeah because i think it's once you generally understand like economic psychology and you know technical analysis and and you know a few a few of those secret rules of thumbs that, that traders have um you're pretty much there like you can identify a pretty pretty good a plus setup the real tricky thing starts like when with your own expectations and and like mastery of self and it's why i spend so much time writing a reflection every day and why i uh why i i work i continually work on myself i think too is that you know you want to have your own set of rules and you want to know what you're looking for and you want to be able to separate you know the you want to keep it as objective and simplistic as possible like drama free because i think like if you don't realize that you're hopping back into a trade and your adrenaline's jacked and your dopamine's high um i mean used car sales do that you've probably heard this before they offer you a cup of coffee because there's caffeine in it you're more likely you you become more susceptible to say yes to a bad deal. Yeah. I don't know. Have you heard of that before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. They'll, they'll offer you a cup of coffee when you're in there. And it's because you'll agree normally to things that you wouldn't agree to. So it's really about trying to keep yourself in a relatively normal Stable, state of mind. Right. You don't want to make trades while your adrenaline's jacked. Um, like once you're in a trade, your adrenaline does sort of get jacked. There's not, there's nothing really you can do. I was about to say there's nothing if, you can really do about it. If we had if we had me doing the trades, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> you tell you show me 
you show me charts. I don't know. And I'm just like I'm talking in my normal five times a day, and you're like, oh, that's fine. I'm like, it just, it just, it just did this, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I, I and think then like, like forty minutes later, you're like, look, it's fine. I'm yeah. Like, uh-uh. I think part of the problem is is that traders they see movies and I've talked about this before and they think the whole thing happens in, in a couple seconds or, you know, the trade happens in a day when really it's like, it's a very long lead time and there's like long setups that take place. And, and there's a lot of like agony that goes into your trades and, you know, making a trade should be some of the most boring stuff you do. Like you want it to be as routine as possible and try to make it as routine as possible obviously it doesn't always work out that way i mean because like money's money and and money is life-changing but um you know you you want to try to set up the parameters in the game to be as as like stable as possible and as controlled as possible and try to make the environment as as much as in, in your favor versus you know the market's favor controlling you yeah you don't want it controlling you you want to be controlling it and like that also means like um somebody once taught me this trick that that if someone's yelling at you you just get up and walk away and for me i i used to think that's like the most fucking you know psychotic thing you could you could ever do you know but it's sort of like the mar- the market. You know, the market's still yelling at you. It's like still going on. Like it's like screaming in your head. You're missing a trade. You're missing a trade. There's something happening that you're not staying on top of because oftentimes you work around the clock and like your lead time, like the lead time, all the months you've put in, like all that stuff, you're like, you're telling me I can't just squeeze a little bit more out of it and make it easier on myself. Like there's all those like deceptive thoughts that like want to just like corrupt the trade. And it gets really hard um, because you work so hard at it and you're very passionate about it and you want it to be successful. So, um, you know, it's just as much part of the success. The, the game has to end on your terms. And it's tricky because we're not taught to think like that. We're taught like, you know, baseball games end after nine innings. So it's whatever that score is. It's not you get the call when the nine innings are up, right? Mm-hmm. Or you get the call when the basketball game ends or whatever sport, right? Yeah. Um, you don't get to decide when when to walk away. Uh, the market does. It decides for you. Yeah. Yeah. But really, it's not like that. You know, you, you can stop your day right there. And it's tricky. You have to sort of unwire not only all of the cultural uh, subconscious teachings that you've been taught, over your lifetime, which can be incredibly difficult, especially if you're over the age of 20, it is very difficult to unlearn Rewiring processes. your brain? Yeah, processes. Basically. I mean, and if you're like listening to this now and you're like, yeah, fuck, you're right. How do I do that? Um, you know, psychedelics are, are really great at rewiring and, and uh, rehabitualizing. They've, they've found that, you know, I mean, I'm not advocating psychedelics you have to do what's best for you especially if you have a family history of like um psychoses you don't want to take like a psychedelic because it can cause a mental break um and obviously i'm not a doctor so i'm not recommending anything but you know i like lion's mane works well from what i've been told and from my own use and then ashwagandha does work well as well and then yeah there's um you know 
psychotropics and uh gosh you know cat like small microdosing of mushrooms helps you helps you unlearn a lot of times old habits and as well as dmt i i've been told i have like i've read a lot of use cases where dmts completely cut addictions and so like if you're trying to unlearn old habits it's a very quick way to do it because it sort of like refreshes your brain the way i've been taught to think about psychedelics is um if if you're on a hill and, and like you're sledding down a hill all of a sudden like you know that sled if you repeatedly go down the sled a certain track forms right and it cuts into to the hill and and so there's an easy path for you to take down this like sledding right um psychedelics are sort of like a fresh snow it, it covers back up those tracks and allows for new tracks to be formed better tracks and so you have an ability and a, an opportunity to to sort of like rewire your brain you don't have to necessarily you know work that way so one of the thing one of the things you can try to do is you know if if it makes sense for you is is look into psychedelics for that kind of stuff and um for me at least it's been it's been very beneficial mm -hmm. in relearning a lot of stuff yeah yeah i think it's helped a lot and, and so, like, I mean, if you're trying to rewire yourself to, like, learn cooldowns, I mean, there's some other simple tricks you can do. You can set cooldown timers on your phone, right? I mean, if you have to go to extreme lengths, like, I mean, so uh, dopamine can be habit-forming. So, like, people can form addictions to, like, the market. And so, like, if you have to, you can, you know... Uh, if you if you trade off your phone or you trade off an app or something like that it, and you finish a trade like if you literally have to go to the lengths of you know i need to delete my app after i finish it because i just i can't trust myself with that with the habit that's been formed before you know that's a that's a fine length i don't think there's any shame in that i think that the problem is, is that there's a lot of on twitter there's a lot of glorification that i can easily move from one trade to another and I think that really, like, while you're learning, you need to do what's best for you, especially if you're not, like, consistently winning. Right. Like, you need to learn when to stop. You need to learn when to stop as much as you need to learn when to go. Yeah. In fact, I think it's a lot easier to learn when to go. It's much harder to learn when to stop. And I don't think people talk about it very much because it's not very glamorous and people don't really want to hear about it. Uh, but... If you're actually interested in becoming a pro trader and like you want to just like do it full time, it's probably the most important thing is actually restraint. Because, you know, if you can restrain on, on 45 trades and then realize that the 46 trade will, will you know, multiply your account by 2000%, um, then you don't have to worry about the last 45 trades you passed on. Mm-hmm. And so it's just about finding that good ballpark game that, that you're looking for. And, uh, you know, I mean, like, the more the more your account grows, too, the less trades you should take. So I have a question. When, when doing trades and watching the stock, like, I know you've mentioned in a previous pod, I want to say it was, like, two or three pods ago, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Right. Like, don't don't put so much money in that the loss is going to be like detrimental. Right. But my question is, 
when when trading like when actively trading what do you think is a good like ballpark number to like have some funds in like do you do like three max or is it just two just so you can split that you know attention or can you go upwards to like four or five yeah i think i try to find four ideas okay each day mm-hmm. that i like and then from those four ideas i look how their trends develop during the day and then out of those four i mean like i might only take one of those trades but i think like you want to keep your mind mind open mm-hmm. i don't i don't think um So let me let me think about how to explain this. So to, if I decide to only take one of those trades, that doesn't mean that I'm putting all my money into into just one of like instead if I if I just go okay, trade I'm going to take Apple today. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, Moderna uh coin and Tesla. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not putting the money that I would have put in those other 3 all into Apple with the Apple trade. Okay. There's still like money that needs to be set aside. Yeah. From from your account and you need to like manage the risk into it. Mm-hmm. And, um percentage wise. Like... Percentage wise. Because you're still you're you're still it's like a statistics thing and I don't I don't know how to explain it very easily without bringing math into the equation. But essentially like the the chance of the chance of not taking that chance, uh, like, and preserving your capital goes to a hundred percent. So, like, you're you're. It's like. So is it like I'm trying to make it simple because I hate math. Um, so you put in like thirty percent mm-hmm. into Apple. Right. That's it. Yeah, out of like the basket that I have to, of day, tra- yeah. to day trade. Yeah. yeah. And then. And then that 60%, if I don't take those other trades, they were going to be divvied, be- or not 60, what, it, what is it? 70%. That 70% that I didn't trade, you know, just it sits on the sidelines because um, that's cash and reserve. So. For some, like, because then, okay. I know that the market is like forever changing. Mm-hmm. It can be like up and down. So say you're in Apple, but then it's like coin. Like just out of nowhere, it starts going up. So then you have that extra reserve that you put in or do you pull? I would say, so I have, I would just think about it. Like I have a hundred dollars allocated for, for each. Right. Okay. So max. max. Okay. And so Apple, I would start the trade off with twenty five dollars. Mm-hmm. If the trade starts going my way, I put in fifty dollars. Right mm-hmm. after a certain point in time, it keeps going. You know, it keeps it keeps trending. I put in seventy five. Eventually, I get to a hundred. I stop at a hundred. I don't add anything more. I don't add anything less. And then um, after a certain point, right when when the profit gets to like one hundred five, I take five out. You know, and keep the trade there. Okay. Or I might, or I might take a hundred out and only keep five, like five dollars in, okay. right? If coin starts taking off, then it's a hundred dollars that is allocated. I might put twenty five in to it, right? There's no like double dipping or that kind of stuff. If enough 
time goes on. So like if it's the day trade, if it's the day trade basket, right? Yeah. And it's the next day and I'm still an apple, right? I can rebalance my funds so that so that more is allocated to Apple because I like that trade idea more. Right. So I can lay the next day I could load say like the the set aside is two hundred for Apple. Okay. So now I could slowly start wading into two hundred till gotcha. I get to to that. Right. Yeah. Especially on like longer swing trades. Like that that that's a better strategy for it. Like incrementally increasing the dollar amount. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And just slowly waiting in for it. I love the way you explain things. Yeah. Yeah. You paint a picture in my head. It's nice. You were you wanted to get percentages involved. You're and you, and then you gave me a non even like I couldn't divide it, like, you know. And well, yeah. <laughs> That's what you do every day, so you can figure it out. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that was good. Um yeah, you answered my question. Is that all your questions for today? No. Um, I know that we were talking previously or just briefly before starting the pod. Um, some big news dropped is what you said. About micro, macro market. Macro. <laughs> Macroeconomics. Economics. Oh my god. So the Chinese markets, they've been really interesting because so China's not in a good state right now. Their economy is essentially collapsing. They haven't been in a good state for the last four weeks. Yeah. And basically. it's very hard to figure out exactly what's going on. Um because China essentially still operates under an iron curtain mm-hmm. where I have to get a lot of my information out of it through hearsay. Yeah. Um, you know, I heard somebody say this and that, and it seems like this, and then you eventually get some news out about like what the Chinese government's doing. There's been a lot of talk for a lot of weeks about like, when will they introduce stimulus? They finally started pushing last night, not this night that <laughs> this night. yeah, <laughs> sorry that, uh, that they were going to start cutting rates. There's more confirmation tonight that they're going to cut rates, and that's just like that's good. That's just good confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, and they instructed last night that uh, banks would would uh, or central banks would start buying some stocks and or not necessarily stocks, equities off the off the market, off the open market, and that should open up some cash for for traders to have additional liquidity within markets. So it should keep things like the Hang Sang afloat. And that's good for other markets too. What I was kind of explaining in the in the daily today is that um, you know it's really it's really interesting. A lot of times bears are actually correct in their analysis of a macroeconomic event. The problem is is that um, the translation from macroeconomics to the actual stock market is in, is an incorrect interpretation. So. What I mean by that is that the single most dominating factor in stock markets is liquidity. And we've talked about that before on podcasts, right? It's mm-hmm. the it's the equilibrium of buyers and sellers within a within a market trying to find price equilibrium distribution, right? Mm-hmm. So um, they're trying to find a price that they all agree on to sell at. And obviously, because we're all human beings, there's never 
a perfect equilibrium, which creates price fluctuations. So one seller wants to sell it for $73. A buyer wants to buy it for, you know, is willing to buy it up to $74. There's just, there's constant ebb and flow within markets. And that's why markets go up and down, right? And when there's additional liquidity within markets, that means that there's additional potential buyers as well as potential sellers. And normally that increases price um, as well as you see greater price stability. So back to the bear thing. So the problem is, is that bears see like China is, you know, China's having central banks buy stocks. They're con- that clearly means their economy's collapsing. It's in a terrible state. You know, we're going to be entering a recession. And then they go, and therefore stocks must go down. And that's the, that's like, Yes. Technically, eventually stocks should go down, but they're negating the short-term effects of of what stock of what will happen to stocks because so like central banks are buying equity, right? Mm-hmm. That means that they're adding additional cash to stock markets, which means that they're increasing liquidity. Yep. So by increasing liquidity, that means that stocks can go back up. So it, it actually is more a measure of how much cash is freely flowing within a within a market mm-hmm. that really ma- that really determines price action. That that tends to be the single most dominating factor. Obviously, like catalytic events, catalytic events will will drive stock markets, right? Yeah. A, a major bank declares bankruptcy and is going to shut down tomorrow. Okay, well. That's a significant draw on cash flow within markets and liquidity that was not anticipated, right? If that were to happen, and that's why stocks would would drop, right? Because all of a sudden there's a significant shortage and the markets become illiquid. Okay. It actually has more to do whether whether a stock market is liquid or illiquid mm-hmm. versus whether like an economic event is causing like a recession or you know. Is causing a boon in the economy. Yeah. Right. It all has to do with how much money does do funds have, and can they spend it more on stocks? That's all we're trying to determine when it comes to macroeconomic events. And there are times where macroeconomic events don't move markets, and like, who gives a fuck then? Like, you don't pay attention to that. You just choose individual stocks, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I have a I have a silly little rule of thumb that I've tweeted before, which is. When when fu- when U.S. futures are all the same percentage at night, that means that that there are macro wins or macroeconomic events that are so significant that are that are obviously affecting liquidity within stock markets that you need to pay attention to the macroeconomic events that are occurring. Because really, what you're trying to do is is just figure out where funds' heads are at. Are they buried down below and they're looking at individual stocks, right? Where's the attention in the room? Or are their heads up and they're watching like what central banks are doing? Mm-hmm. And, and it's constantly this ebb and flow between their visions up, their visions down. They're never forward looking at, or at least they're not as forward looking as, as people claim. Like I think it's actually an incorrect interpretation that stock markets are six months forward looking. Yeah, they might be sort of when there's earnings, you know, they're kind of taking into interpretation what their forecasts are. Um, 
but normally they're not like it's there there really isn't much reason to redistribute and and rethink about uh uh what what you know and where stocks are going uh for the most part like forecast should be pretty stable so mm-hmm. it's kind of a long and boring answer Sometimes I'm like, how do you not run out of breath with some of your responses? Did I not take a breath? No. Did I go slow enough? Oh, yeah. I followed along mostly. <laughs> you started to lose attention there because I saw you playing with your hair. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. It's a little bit funny. I was trying not to laugh at the end there. I know. Yeah. I had to close my eyes so I wouldn't make you bust a gun. But you wouldn't stop. You kept going. Well, because my ADD fixation. Right. To feel my new hair. Yeah. Yeah. I had a question, but I forgot it. Oh, it's it, it's okay. It'll come back to me. Will it tell? It will. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck. Oh yeah. In my head, when when you were like, we you have to. You have to pay attention to where their heads are at down below, looking at the small, like, individuals or up above. Just made me think of an ostrich. <laughs> sometimes their heads are buried in the sand. Yeah. And sometimes, like, yeah, they're they're running from the fucking cheetah. That's, like, they figured out that that's not a tree that has its head in the sand. It's actually a bird, and I can eat that thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to laugh out loud and be like, huh, an ostrich. I mean, isn't life just, you know, all about can I eat that thing? Can not? I eat that thing? No, chimp. <laughs> can I eat that thing and survive? <laughs> That's so funny. It's incredible how much, like, collateral damage we can take. And just keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, sometimes a deer will break its leg and it's just like, That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And we... We can break both our legs and we're like, we're good. Yeah. Just heal for a couple months and... Yeah. Get on with life. Yep. Yeah. That's an insane amount of, like, collateral damage. Can we talk about conspiracy theory really quick? Sure. So, did you hear the new reports on the plane lady? Oh, Tiffany Gomez? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the latest ones? Well, I, I know that she apologized and it seemed forced. And then she was yeah. like, then it seemed like she was going to put out like a self-help book or something. So someone did research on that video that she posted because it seemed very like forced. Mm-hmm. Apparently, because remember when, when everything came out, um, I'll make it quick. But when everything came out about, you know, that motherfucker's not real. Yeah. She deleted all of her social media. Yeah. Well, when she came out with the apology video, the first people or the first follower that she had on Twitter on her online account was TMZ. Someone, I don't know, using technology traced the video where it was filmed and it was in the White House. No. Or like near the White House. Mm-mm. Yes. Nah. You didn't see that? 
That's fine. I don't we'll believe that. How, how can you? I don't, I don't think you have that kind of forensic data to be able to translate. Not in, okay, sorry. It wasn't in the White House. <laughs> that was wrong. It wasn't in the White House. It was near the White House. It was House. in D.C.? It was in D.C. And it was, okay, 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 okay. It was near the TMZ headquarters. Okay. You went you went to like you went to conspiracy level like three hundred where you're like it was filmed in, in one of the under level dungeons <laughs> under the White House. No, but they're saying that and it was, I was there it and was I saw all it. to get like it it's like attention, you know, all over the news. She probably had a deal with TMZ, like, you know, I mean like she probably Well it's good to know she wasn't killed. I would broker by a deal too and get pay get paid some money. Yeah. You know? People think she was killed and it's an AI, but that's like conspiracy theory 3000. So. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I thought that was interesting and I know that you spoke briefly about Plain Lady. I yeah, am done. I think is I think it's interesting. I don't think um I hope she wasn't sued by the airline for what happened. Because I think that if there is a terrorist threat, that you should be able to stop a plane and, like, force a security check. You know? I think that's, like, um, a serious issue. Everyone thought that she was on drugs. Yeah. 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 So, um, what do you thought? Are you pointing to your phone or are you just, like, you're just... I'm fidgeting. Fidgeting. Because now I feel awkward. Okay. I didn't... No, I, I didn't know if you're... If you were like signaling, like, "Hey, I'm getting a phone call," got it. Nope. Nope. I'm fidgeting because I feel awkward. Yeah. About plain lady. Yeah, because you didn't respond to my story in the appropriate way. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't believe that the video was filmed <laughs> under the White House. Shut up. <laughs> Let me just have my moment. It's um. It's funny though. I mean, I'm willing to give people the benefit of the doubt on that stuff. Yeah. You never know. I mean, like, there is some, there's some very wild stuff out there. You know. Yes. I I think it's it's very interesting what happened. I would like to know more. I mean, I think that the apology did seem very weird. It's very forced. Even like, I I would say her reaction seemed very genuine on the plane, and um, I was a bit. I would have been very startled by the way she was acting. Like, I wouldn't have thought the way that she was acting, it didn't seem like she was having like a mental break. It seemed like she seemed very competent and in control of like the situation, like what was happening. Like, as as far as she seems like she was in like fight or flight mode and she was trying to fly. And, like, it literally looked like at one point she was going to, like, piss her pants. Like, she was scared shitless. And, I mean, like, to be set off to that level is incredible. Like, mm-hmm. there has to be a very ser- serious event that yeah. has occurred that you're just, like, I don't know. They... Can we talk about something else? Sure. Can we talk about all the stealing that's going on? Yeah, that's weird. I would say, I don't know, it, it makes me angry, and it, I know it shouldn't make me angry. Although, there's a couple reasons why it makes me angry. The, f- the first reason is that uh, corporations are just absolutely fucking insane in the sense of they won't, they won't uh, endorse 
like, you know, stealing is wrong. They're willing to put their employees in danger. And they're they're willing to allow like just I don't know there's there's no consequence to the action, right? Mm-hmm. And that drives me nuts. And I don't think it's like a political issue. I think it's a like social issue that's that's happening. I think there's something very weird happening. And then at the same time too, it there is a humanity issue where people are being forced to steal at at these levels. And I mean maybe some people are just stealing because like, you know, like fuck you man, like like these corporations don't give a fuck. I'm just going to go flip this and make some extra dough. Right? right, but we 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 talked about it earlier. It it's almost getting to the point where people are like doing it so that they can flip the purses and clothes to put food on the table yeah to go to go get groceries so yeah i mean that's what's that i think that's the issue that stands out to me it is what is what the really uh, it's really what that's that's what the underlying issue is with it yeah. is that we're we're so like destitute as a country that we're not paying people enough to like literally just live and be able yeah. to eat and afford food and afford housing and um we have no reason to, to live like that yeah the amount of profit that corporations pull in is absolutely absurd and that's yeah. that's one of the things that pisses me off about the first issue it's because their corporations are making so much goddamn money they're they're literally they literally don't give a fuck of nope. that that they're being stolen from and at the same time, too, like it costs more for them to prosecute that money. Yep. Than it does than it does to just let them steal it. Mm-hmm. Which, insane. I heard this is this is probably about four three three or four years ago. Someone someone that I I knew that worked at TJ Maxx or Marshalls. They let me know that anything that's priced under nine ninety nine in the store, they're legally like they're not allowed to stop you if you're caught shoplifting, because, like you said, it's more expensive for them to get the cops out there, prosecute you, than for you to just run off with the ten dollar goods. Right. So, that's crazy to me. I don't understand it. I like. I just think that it just shows from from both points that our society is like at a fundamental like fundamentally broken. And yes, so damn stupid. I don't understand why we can't pay people more. I think that like it should be a very simple issue. Like we're arguing over, you know, a a if you if you look at the bottom line, it's probably a 2% change in profitability for most companies. To, to move most of their workers to a living wage. Yeah. And they're willing to lobby, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to make sure that that, that, that 2% never happens. They want to make sure that, you know, employees are beaten down, miserable, and, and can't even afford to pay for, you know, the simple uh, things that they should have a right to, you know. They have I a mean, right to be able to live. people can't even afford to take off when they're sick now. Yeah. And it's a it's a real issue. It's it's a very serious issue, and it's concerning. I mean, it's very sad. And I have another 
conspiracy theory or an idea that I have. Uh, well, I'll just say this. As far as it's concerned, somebody needs to do something about it. In the political system, something needs to change because it, it's gone far enough. And um, these these thefts, it's, it's not about the people actually stealing. It's about the underlying societal damage yeah. that we have. And, and something needs to change. Yep. And it can be fixed so easily. That's I think that's the maddening part. Yeah. But it's a lie, cheat, steal economy right now. I I mean I'm not saying that you know some people just won't steal just just for the sport. I mean of it, yeah, right? there's like, always going to be people that beyond steal. reason. But I think I think we're starting to see when real when More retail theft meet goes to a historical high. That means that people are starting to steal out of necessity, not because of, you know, right? Not because, you know, it's lawlessness and and it's just you know, humans are are not are inherently bad people and and that kind of stuff. There's, I mean, it's easier to steal clothes and purses than it is to steal food, right? So, yeah, yeah, and so it, there's a societal nature to it that's that's driving it. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, what's your conspiracy theory? Oh, we've talked about this before, and you know what? Some of your subs might think that you're married to a tin hat woman, but <laughs> tinfoil, tinfoily, what is it? <laughs> what is the what is the name for it? No, it's a tinfoil hat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that rapists and murderers and all these people that are just taking up jail time. Where is this going? Yeah. Blast them to outer space. If you want to see if we can what? land on Mars, then instead of, you know, them just living in prisons, just blast them off into space. Do you know how much that would cost? Put them bitches in a rocket. <laughs> blast them into space. Because they, what bothers me is like. They've had this idea before. It's penal. It's called a penal colony. You know where they had it before in Australia. What bothers me is like <laughs> I'm easily spooked. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to watch the murder mysteries or whatever. Uh huh. But there's a lot of character development happening with you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Say. There's a murderer in prison, right? And uh -huh. they release them, I don't know, 50 years later. They release a murderer out of jail into the public. They're going to do it again. They're going to do it again. You didn't have enough. Yeah, but you don't need to worry because their laws are like so designed to re-incarcerate re individuals. Majority of individuals that have been charged They're one time will most likely. They're wasting space on Earth, and they need to get the fuck out. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> or we because need to... also, I've seen some cases where like we're we're like running out of room in prisons. Yeah, you know why though? It's because they Everyone's they reshaped a lot of the laws to to favor picking up nonviolent criminals for longer prison sentences. You know why? Because you want 
the majority of your prison labor force to be made up of nonviolent criminals because they're better to control, easier to get to produce, you know, and you don't have to pay them anything. We essentially have a, a whole a whole country of, of slave labor. Um, and it's, it's our, it's our penal colonies. I mean, it's the, it's the jail, it's the jails that are nationwide. I don't know. So it's a whole topic we can go into one issue at a time tonight. I'm going to fix the, I'm going to fix retail theft first. (laughs) And then we can get into how the war on drugs targeted nonviolent criminals and actually just benefited, uh, uh, the penal labor labor force. Yeah. I mean, this is why I can be president. You can throw whatever the fuck topic. No, I know. At me, and I, for I already I keep fucking saying it. You gonna do it? One day, I'll <laughs> I'll think about it. Yeah. Okay. One day I will think about it. <laughs> You'll think about it. Yeah. You think about it every damn day. I know you do. We'll see. Anyways, so you don't agree with me that. These murderers should just be blasted to space. I think that our our code of law should be reformed. That that I don't think that they should get a second chance. Is what I'm saying. Like either send them into space or just you know kill them. I think that our our budget deficit could be reformed significantly by taxing marijuana and other nonviolent and other like drugs. Well, what's crazy is we're. Li- I feel like we're talking past each other. I I agree with you that like we're like, like using violent- our money that we are killing ourselves essentially over these these nine to five jobs to then feed these murderers in jail. Yeah, but you know that they are, that that the that's what I'm talking about though. It's the labor force in in jails. It's like a whole system. They sell things back to the United States. Like universities are only allowed to buy like buy like furniture from from jails. Did you know that? I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. University like most most public universities, actually most universities in general in the United States are required to buy furniture only from jails. Like jail like uh jails that make furniture. They sell it to the universities. The universities have to buy it at a certain price, um, and then they don't pay the the prisoners for it. But these private prisons, like, it's supposed to, in theory, like in quotation marks, go towards like their cost of living and all that stuff. It's supposed to reduce the burden on like the state. But really, oftentimes they they end up profiting tremendously for it. That's what I've been talking about. So what I'm saying is What? Yeah. And and so that's what I'm saying though, is like you should reform the tax code you should reform the law, like um, and you should reform tax codes because if you instead like we could we wouldn't be in so much debt if we if we tar- if we targeted tax on marijuana. Uh, we would significantly reduce our government deficit each year. If we instead decriminalized marijuana and then we released uh, the labor force, like the the prisoner labor force back out, nonviolent criminals. I had no idea 
I had no idea about that. Well, you know what the reason why though is because it's all it's all about lobbying. Mm-hmm. The only the only thing that matters is that. Um, so they did this study. Do you think? I, and maybe we've talked about this before, but do you think that a a bill that is highly popular in the United States has a better chance of passing the House and the Senate than a non-popular bill? Yes. No. No. They actually have an equal chance. Do you know why? No. So when when they're looking across it, they found no correlation between uh, the popularity and like benefit of a bill passing the House and Senate. The only, it started becoming correlative when they attached the amount of lobbying dollars, like the amount of money mm-hmm. behind a bill, like the amount of kickbacks that a politician receives, other things, right? Donations to their super PAC. Uh, so it's just a money game. It's all a money game. So why why did private prisons rise to like such success after the 80s? Well, it's because of the war on drugs that Reagan prosecuted and he was lobbied for a lot of this stuff. Hmm. So, you know, it actually has more to do with, with the amount of lobbying that's taking place than than the actual national interest. It really has to do with the national interest. So, you know, hundred like I th- I think our we almost have a hundred million people. No, we don't. I wonder how many people we actually. Can you look that up on your phone real quick? How many people do we have currently incarcerated? I I want to say in it, the United States as a whole. In the United States, I want to say it's around like fifty to sixty million. Now there are some like downsides to potentially releasing that many people into into the uh, larger workforce, but we also have some population collapse concerns, and it would probably make our our labor market more functional. As of December thirty first, two thousand twenty one, this is what Bart is saying. Yep. 2021, Mm -hmm. there were 1,932,200 people incarcerated in the United States. Only 1 million? Yes. The United States has the highest incarceration rate in the world, with 639 people incarcerated per 1,000 residents. 100,000 residents. Can I see that real quick? Yes. 1.93 1.932 million people incarcerated in the United States this includes people in state prisons, federal prisons, and local jails. Wow, I don't know why I thought it was so high. 80 billion. Oh, oh, oh. In 2021, the total cost of incarceration was estimated to be $80 billion. I might be conflating the numbers. That's why. We'll just forget everything I just said then. You know, lock them all up. We need more locked up, to be, to be honest. 1.9 million. Huh. As of 2021. 2021. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Well, I'm happy it's not 50 to 60 million, actually, because I think that would be like one fourth of our population. So <laughs> I wonder where I got that number from. I don't know. You get numbers all over your head, in your head all day long. It's going to bother me, though. Now I'm going to have to figure out what the hell is 50 to 60 million. <sighs> I'm going to have to find something that's yeah, 50 to 60 million, and then yeah. it's going to be like, you know. There, there is a significant issue though with with mass incarceration rates. I mean, it, it like on top of that too. Like, I still strongly believe that that if marijuana was decriminalized federally and they taxed it on a federal level, that we would be able to bring in significant income yep. and revenue. Yep. As well as it'd probably be a secondary boon for the economy. It's they a weird prohibition that they, they have in won't place. Do it though. Some weird like control. Well. Sorry, I'm like so on conspiracy tonight. I'll shut. I'll shut up. Um. So back to stock. Yeah. After the whole coin thing, um, what do you what do you ex- like? What do you thinking is going to happen the rest of the week into next week. So I got an interesting idea at the end of the day. So I, I think overall the market's still going to continue up. And I wrote the daily that way. And I, I think that's like a good general guideline mm-hmm. for which way the market's going to head. What I'm thinking though is that at some point we probably have to retest the 50 MA on, uh, on the daily on SPY. So the 50 MA, it typically is like short-term trend. So if you're above it, you're in an uptrend. If you're below it, you're in a downtrend. We just passed over it today. The number is like a four. I think the number is 444.7 for, you know, being above. Obviously, we closed at 448, which is the number that I wrote in in my stack post on Monday was was what we were aiming for, and we hit it today in one day. So now I now I don't know what to do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a weird thing. That's that's something that's very weird as a trader, and it I don't know how to say it. It seems to happen to me a lot, where I go, okay, this is the number I'm targeting, and then you know within a day or two days or three days, it, it hits that number, and I'm like, well. Now what? <laughs> I thought that was going to take a couple of weeks. I was kind of digging in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it hits. So there's a gap up at 455.36. And um, I think that's our next target. Uh, the the weird wild cards and so when the market moves that fast i i normally go okay well i think about it like rubber bands and i've talked about rubber bands before snap back there is a bit of a snap back right so it will want to retest at some point that 50 ma to make sure that the uptrend is true especially because of how fast it moved through the 50 ma without kind of like setting up you think like thursday i think like it's possible tomorrow we could see some retesting. It's possible, like, like I could see that as traders de-risk into PCE on Thursday. Okay. 
I don't really think that there's going to be. I don't. I don't think that we're going to see a downtrend again this week. Okay. I think that PCE comes in lower. Pretty sure. Mm. Um. And I could be wrong. If PCE comes in higher or stays about stable, that's not going to be good for the markets. If PCE comes, core PCE comes in lower, uh, that that would essentially create a huge rally for for most of the markets because essentially what that signals is that liquidity will loosen for the Fed mm-hmm. or for the markets because the Fed's going to lower rates sooner. And so you can I imagine that the economy will will then you know begin to pick up pace again. So we have GDP in the morning. Um, I think that a strong GDP number, which is is most likely, it will actually be bad news for the for the market. Just like how um, reduce reduce consumer confidence today. So it's really funny how. Twitter works and how wrong they are sometimes. So they were really excited about jolts today, which is like a job measurement number. And like, yeah, that is kind of important. What the, mar- <laughs> what the market really cares about is consumer confidence because they want to know how much consumer demand is softening. And what we saw today was a significantly softening consumer demand, which means that, uh, so it implies a couple things. So it was supposed to come in at, I think, 115. It came in at 106. And what that what that implies is obviously, yeah, consumers are spending less. They, they think that the outlook on the economy is worse. And what that means then is that cash is tightening because if a, if consumer confidence drops, typically that means that consumers are going to save more and spend less. So there's less stimulation in the economy and there's less liquidity in the economy, mm-hmm. right? So that dropping number is some number that the Fed will notice. And if they think that that consumer confidence is dropping quickly, it means that the Fed's more likely to lower rates sooner which is sort of like a backwards way of thinking because it also means that a recession is like very is very like nearby upon us yeah yeah it definitely means that we're like almost about to enter into a recession a, a headline recession sorry i should i should rephrase that because obviously the economy is in certain parts of the economy is in a recession already and um very much recession yeah I think I think it's very obvious at this point is that the economy has already entered into a recession, but a headline recession where you know it's covered on the news and the news goes, you know, America's in a recession, blah blah blah, blah and everyone everyone knows about it, but um, we're not there yet. We're very close to it, and so the thing is, is that is that markets are betting that the Fed will intervene first which creates a short-term liquidity boost. So that's why we saw markets bounce higher mm-hmm. because it, it creates a short-term liquidity boost, but a long-term like... Downfall? Yeah, liquidity downfall, Yeah, right? Markets will become more illiquid over time, but for the short-term... Is it essentially like the... You're going to see a small boost. 
the feds are just using their last little turbo that they have available? No, the feds aren't involved at all in this. It's mm. more about private liquidity. Private liquidity on the sidelines enters because they because they believe the Fed will will intervene if it, you know somewhere around around this level. Okay. So they're like, okay, well, I should just buy them because the Fed. Like, I don't know. It's it's sort of backwards thinking. It doesn't make a lot of sense if like you really put things together. Like, why would you buy entering into a recession? Mm-hmm. But it's really not about buying. It's more about like hedging that the Fed will intervene. Um, and that they may intervene sooner than you think and that you probably haven't properly hedged for, for what the outcast, like the forecast is. So that's what's going on. So I think we get a strong GDP number tomorrow. And that will likely be bad for the economy. Not bad for the economy. Bad for markets. The reason for that is is because so consumer confidence is dropping, but GDP is still strong. So if GDP is still strong, and GDP is a measure of like how strong the economy is, like how how many new things are we creating, how much is the economy producing each year, right? So it's so the gross domestic product. Um, so if GDP is strong, that means that the Fed is less likely to intervene, which would create a short term downside people are going to pull out their cash out of the market because they think that the the fed is less likely to intervene right so we kind of have a a weird two day two day draw and then so it kind of sets up for a 50 ma retest tomorrow and then the following day we have pce and most likely core pce it's hard to call but i think I think it it drops. I'm not 100% certain on that. Um, you want to get more research before you commit to that? No, I'm I'm up in the air on it because of some num some data points I'm looking at that I don't want to I can't talk I can't talk about here. But there there's some things that that kind of have me slightly divided. I think that like if you're just thinking about like the CPI or the consumer price index, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we do have some things that seem to ind- indicate uh, a reflation, like uh, heightening uh, gas prices. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like commodities like that increasing act like an anaconda where they like slowly squeeze the oxygen out of the economy. So even though they're reflating, like it's like that short-term versus long-term thing or mid-term thing where like short-term, yes, there is a reflation, but like medium long-term, the the economy will eventually deflate because consumers are going to be more conservative with their spending in other areas like consumer discretionary where they, where they do have a choice versus uh, indiscretion where where they don't have a choice, such as like you know gas prices, because gas is taking up more of their budget. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow GDP is probably up, PCE probably neutral. I'm gonna guess, and that's probably enough of a boon to take the gap on 455, and then from there I think um, we're probably chopping along for. A couple weeks there. That's probably that gives us about two weeks. 
and then uh, and then we're probably looking at more downturn in October. That would be my guess. I know that you I've looked over your your daily posts. You've mentioned a couple of times that September usually isn't a good month to like trade in. No, seasonality wise on spy, like it isn't, but seasonality also recent seasonality it doesn't it doesn't necessarily like matter. Yeah. Because and it was similar in 2001 because they were heavily tech-driven indexes. So mm-hmm. the, the weighting on SPY, if you look at the top seven weightings, they're all mega tech. So mega tech isn't really affected by seasonality, seasonal spending. So there isn't super concern that, that you know, SPY will have a down month. It can very much flaunt that and ha- and be, you know, anomalous. I think that uh, it 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 just it's it's been a his- the fall typically is a slowdown in the economy because the government typically tra- like contracts in their spending because it's the end of the fiscal year, and as we know from like classic like classical economics, um, you know when a government contracts that can that can cause slowdowns in the economy because cash like cash and liquidity isn't as high. Yeah. So typically you can see pullbacks in the stock market. So you think it's going to be more like a plateau? Yeah, I think there's probably more of a plateau in September. Okay. I think that you probably see a longer consolidation to the right. Yeah. Um I do think you get you get that gap at 455. And I think that uh, just, from there, then it, it's probably like a slower head, like slower chop lower back towards. So, fair price on spy for the year is currently about four forty. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you would probably move more towards that four forty fair value. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Oh boy. I think we're at an hour and 20 minutes. We're at an hour and 10 minutes. I just checked. I hate being long. That's why I can't play the stock. (laughs) (laughs) What else do you have? What other questions you got for me? Mm. I don't know. I... I know that I mentioned it before. I think that we should do like a question and answer podcast. Like I want to, I want to know, because like I only know what I want to know, right? Right. And I already don't know a lot about the the market. I'm interested to know, like I'm interested to know what some of your subscribers want to know. Because, yes, I might be answering some, like, asking some questions that they have, but maybe I'm only, like, I'm asking the very basic. Right. And they're wanting more, like, an in-debt. So, I don't know. I think it would be interesting to just see, like, two or three questions that some subs have. Because, again, I can only go off of the little bit of knowledge that I do have. Mostly about Rivian. Mm-mm. 
Although I do like the new Rivian style. <laughs> it's pretty. It is pretty. It looks good. Mm-hmm. I want it in pearl. In pearl? What color is that? Pearl. Is like that like a, purple? Like a pearl. Is that like No, a... baby. Like like a pearl? Yeah. Like white? Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Is that like purple? <laughs> <laughs> no, babe, that's amethyst. Don't you know your rocks? No. You don't know your birthstones? I don't even know. I don't I don't know. What That hurts my heart. What what does a birthstone do? Does it give you power-ups or my birthstone's a pearls. I thought you would. No, I would have. That. I would have had no idea. Mm-hmm. Too bad. I don't even well, know what astrological sign you are. I'm not disclosing that information. Cancer. No. Anyways. Scorpio. Um. No. <laughs> I want the Rivian SUV. In pearl so okay i'll see what i can do okay let's do it why not all right i think that's it for this pod oh you're done talking okay i'm done <laughs> you're like asking me for more and then i start talking and you're like yeah and i'm done i'm done i'm done that's why i don't open my mouth a lot <laughs> <laughs> I think I've talked so much that people are going to like, I don't know. I, the part of the problem is you're overthinking. No, it's not that I'm, I'm overthinking. It's that I can talk to such great detail about just like one little facet Mm -hmm. of the markets. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot to take in. And part of the problem too is like, okay, like I want to keep diving deeper with what I'm talking about, because I understand interrelationally, like different principles. But when I'm talking about that stuff, like I have to pull in other things and explain those things instead of me just like thinking in my brain going to the deepest level that I know. Right. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yes. So it's a lot. I like, I understand like it, it would be a lot to listen to and like to digest. It's a good thing. They have a pause button. They do. They also have a fast forward button. Yeah. I can sound like a chipmunk. No, just they can fast forward to the parts that they didn't catch. Oh, yeah. Not like they're breezing through your pot. Oh my goodness gracious. I don't know. I might sound more entertaining as a chipmunk. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you the silent treatment until you figure out what my astrological sign is you know what i wanted to talk about tonight that we didn't get to talk about was the mathematical improbability of of how monkeys arrived in south america and they like they don't know how it happened mm-hmm. like and it was it was like hundreds of thousands of years ago when this happened i, I want to look this up actually real quick how how long ago it it happened. Can you look? Can you Google how did South South uh, how did monkeys arrive in South America? Because okay, 
how did monkeys arrive in South America? So this is really interesting. Are you going to read it? Monkeys arrived in South America from Africa, most likely from rafting on vegetation that had broken off from the mainland. This happened during the, um, the, I can't say that word. This happened during the Eocene epoch, about 56 million years ago, when the continents were much closer together than they are today. The first monkeys to arrive in South America were likely small, arboreal, tree-dwelling primates. They eventually diversified into a wide variety of species, including marmosets, tamarins, capuchins, howler monkeys, and spider monkeys. The arrival of monkeys in South America had a major impact on the ecosystem. They helped to disperse seeds and pollinate plants, and they also became prey for other animals. Monkeys are still an important part of the South American ecosystem today. Here's some of the theories about how monkeys arrived in South America. The rafting hypothesis. This is the most widely accepted theory. It states that monkeys rafted on vegetation that had broken off from the mainland of Africa and drifted across the Atlantic Ocean. The island hopping hypothesis. This theory states that monkeys traveled from Africa to South America by island hopping. This would have required them to cross narrow straits of water, which would have been less challenging than crossing the open ocean. The overland hypothesis, this theory states that monkeys traveled from Africa to South America overland through a land bridge that once connected the two continents. However, there's no evidence to support this theory. Um, but so what somebody was telling me was that the mathematical probability of this actually happening is so improbable. The like you have to take the the fact that first off monkeys develop. Then, then the idea that, that they're able to successfully cross the ocean. Then the idea that, that like, you know, that there's rafting vegetation that just, like, is dropping off the continent and that they're able to, like, survive it. And then they're able to reproduce successfully within South America. So if you start taking, like, all these multiples, it starts becoming, like, 0.00000001% chance that, that monkeys arrive in South America. So, like, there's so much statistical improbability in life. And, and like, I, I think it's, like, really beautiful, you know? <laughs> the fact that, that like, life has overcome and, and been able to occur in such statistical improbabilities, I think really, like, speaks to, to, like, the beauty of our universe. And I think that it gives some meaning to it. Because the idea that these things were able to occur... Uh, they were able to occur so often it speaks to to some sort of like conscious unconsciousness like slowly guiding it you know and i think i think that's like like lovely and, and really comforting to like think about you know and that's why i care about it i don't i don't care about it because like oh man let's talk about a math equation you know i i think that it, i thought you just wanted to talk about monkeys well that yeah i want to talk about monkeys i always want to talk about monkeys <laughs> I am one. Um but I I think that like the improbabilities in life they should give you hope because your life is improbable as well. And that means that the improbable can happen to you too. And I think that like that that should like fortify you and give you strength and like courage. 
and and it should help you remember like how rare your life is and like how great your life can be and, and like the greatness that can like come forth from it even like the little things you never know like what your life living your life might spark for tomorrow and that means that like we should try to live it well and sh- we should try to live it to the fullest of our potential and try to get the most out of life i think i think because we might be surprised what what comes of it you're so poetic <laughs> you, you really are that. you are because how do i respond to that how does anyone respond to that just makes me want to like tear up yeah mm-hmm. so i think you know have some hope yeah that, it's beautiful you know you and improbability vegetation could just fall and you can float away yeah <laughs> just kidding <laughs> No, I like I like, you know, your thought process. It's really inspiring. I just I think it I is. think that the more we learn about life and how how like so many improbable things have occurred, like the more we should we should feel inspired by it and and feel that that it is in some way an indication that that our life can improbably, you know, overcome whatever we're facing, whatever we're dealing with. You know, it might feel like like you're not able to overcome a situation in your life, but you don't know that for certain unless you see it all the way through and you try your best. I think that we all need to just like remember that at times because it can be really deflating and feel like I'm so far away from the finish line and feel like there's no hope or or like no way to to overcome it or that you don't have enough strength to overcome it. But I think that that life constantly resounds that that um that you know that's not the most important factor that persisting and trying and and doing is really what determines at the end of the day what what uh succeeds and and what's able to you know uh uh get over the hump get over the hill yeah so yeah with that note i think we can end the podcast there so this was the wisdom uncensored podcast also have a paid Substack that I write daily, except that the daily's Monday to Thursday, and then sometimes I post Fridays. <laughs> I also have a Twitter; it's Merlin's Capital. Um, and I've been so not grumpy about how much the tribe has grown, and I just I am incredibly thankful for all and everyone's support, and I appreciate your support today and listening to this pod and i hope you guys got something out of it and uh we love doing it we look forward to doing it again and uh gwen i love you very much uh v2 i'll continue to force some pods out of him